Uh, we're going to be doing a four-week series in the month of January. Then we're going to go be going back into the book of Matthew, which we'll be in uh, for the rest of the year. But I'm excited to be with you. Um, and today we start a new sermon series um, called Building Bridges. When I was thinking about what to talk about in, in 2023 in January, this was on my heart, Building Bridges. Over the next four weeks, we're going to uh, take a look at ways that we can mend our relationships, build bridges where there were once vast chasms of bitterness and hurt between people, groups, family, and churches. And the big idea that we're going to be going with is the church is called to build bridges in the community to reach people for Christ. It's called to build bridges into one another's lives to speak the gospel into one another's lives. The church should be a place of hope, restoration, uh, a place of forgiveness, uh, a place where people can come and meet the Lord. And that, that is our hope and that is our prayer for 2023. I think in many ways the world we live in today is set up to foster bitterness, hurt, and unforgiveness. It is all around us. Sometimes I feel like that's what the 24-hour news cycle is all about in social media. It's just a way to foster bitterness and hurt. And it's all too simple uh, just to move on from relationships that are difficult and challenging. But we can fight for unity and work to build bridges in our lives. In fact, I believe this is the core message of the New Testament as evidenced by the sacrificial death of Christ on the cross. So the question isn't if you will need forgiveness in your life, but rather when and from who and who you will need to extend it to, not only through Christ, but from others. The truth is, is none of us are perfect and we often make mistakes. There's a great book by Richard Hoffler called Will Daylight Come that illustrates this just really, really well, how, how sin and unforgiveness can enslave us. And it's a story of a little boy and a little girl, and they go to visit their grandparents. And the little boy is given a slingshot, his first slingshot, which is a great gift for a little boy, by the way. Um, and he gets it, and he goes like any boy. He goes to the woods, and he practices and practices and practices, and he never hits his target. He just misses and misses and misses. And as he leaves his grandparents' backyard, he sees their pet duck. And so he takes a rock, he puts it in the slingshot, he pulls it back, and he nails that sucker right in the head, kills it dead, right? <laughs> and like any young boy, he panics, and he desperately hides the duck in a woodpile, right? We've all been there. Um, only to look up and see his sister Sally saw the whole thing. And so after lunch, Grandma says, you know, Sally, it's time to wash the dishes. But Sally says, Johnny told me. He wanted to help in the kitchen, and she kind of elbows Johnny and whispers, remember the duck. And so Johnny does the dishes. Later, Grandpa asks if the children want to go fishing, but Grandma says, you know, I need, I need Sally to help me clean up after supper. And Sally smiles, and she kind of nudges Johnny, and she says to Johnny again, remember the duck. And so Johnny stays, and Sally goes fishing. After several days of Johnny doing both of chores and Sally's chores, he, he just can't take it anymore. And so he confesses to his grandma, and to his surprise, his grandma says, I know, Johnny, giving him a hug. I was standing right at the window, and they saw the whole thing. But because I love you, I forgave you, and I wonder how long you would let Sally make a slave out of you. What's the point of the story? Well, we've all wronged someone, or we've all been wronged in our lives. In the story I just shared, Johnny took the path of hiding his wrongdoing and unforgiveness and seeking reconciliation, and it eventually was a burden that was too large for him to handle on his own. Unforgiveness can make you a slave. 
and not forgiving others can enslave you. How could things have been different in Johnny's story if he'd simply asked for forgiveness right away? How could things be different in your story? If you were to ask or extend forgiveness to another person today, maybe you've been harboring bitterness towards someone for years. Like I said, it's not a matter of if, but it is a matter of when. When will you need to be forgiven? And when will you need to extend forgiveness to one another? It's something all of us can relate to, and the church should be a place of radical forgiveness. So as we get going today, it's important to remember that forgiveness is a core message, if not the core message of the scriptures, and especially the New Testament. And one of the primary writers of the New Testament was the Apostle Paul. He was intimately aware of both the power of forgiveness in his life personally, but also in the lives of the congregations he helped plant and minister to. One of them being the church at Colossae, from which Paul, we get the letter Colossians in our scripture. And Paul writes this in Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. Paul says this to the church in Colossae. He says, put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. So Paul writes to the church at Colossae, and I love Paul does this a lot, Paul starts out before telling us what to do. He tells us who we are in Christ. And he does this all the time. Notice how Paul starts out this verse. He tells the church in Colossae who they are in Christ. And this is true for us as well if you are in Christ Jesus. If you are in Christ, Paul says, you are God's chosen, holy, and beloved. I want you to say that back to me this morning. If you're in Christ this morning, say, I'm God's chosen, holy, and beloved. That's who you are in Christ Jesus. That, that's the reality of who you are in Jesus. Amazing. If you are in Christ, you are God's chosen, holy, and beloved. And Paul tells us because that is true, we need to put on certain attributes. And he uses this language of, of um, put on then. It, it is a Greek verb that's used to, to get dressed in the morning. He's saying put on then because this is who you are compassionate hearts towards each other, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Dress in those things every day as you interact with each other. Um, Paul is saying this is who you are in Christ. Next in verse 13, he begins with this verb bearing with or to bear with um, is how it's translated. It's the Greek word eneko, and it means to hold up or endure with one another. It can also mean to bear or sustain. Paul uses this idea of sustaining or bearing one another's burden at another point. And I believe Paul has the latter in mind, to sustain or to bear with one another primarily, holding each other up, bearing with one another, especially when there's a grievance between two people within the congregation, or in your life for that matter. He also says that we must forgive one another, and he ties that forgiveness, saying the forgiveness we give must be like Christ, because Christ has forgiven you. He sets Christ as the example, not only for the power of forgiveness, but for the process of forgiveness. And what Paul tells us in verse 14 is that we must do this in love for each other. 
which binds the entire process up in unity and harmony. So our unity and mutual forgiveness is bound up in the love of Christ extended to us. And so we see three things from this. Number one, a building starts with good blueprints. We're talking about building bridges, and here's what I mean. It starts with good blueprints. In these three short verses, Paul gives us good blueprints and the process for forgiveness and unity within the church. We must hold up one another, endure with one another, because we're not always going to get along. If you've been in the church long enough, you know that's true. And if there's a grievance or offense between us, especially. Interesting, this is exactly where so many people just jump out of the process. It's too easy to simply cancel someone or to avoid a difficult relationship. It's easy to flee or simply ignore the problem. And it's even easier to hold a secret grudge. You act like you're everything fine, but it's not. We see this all the time in our culture and even in the church. And it should never exist in the church. Right? Our current cancel culture is horrible at this. As soon as two people disagree in our culture, one has to cancel the other one. They have to like destroy their life. I don't, I don't, this is especially true for politics. I don't know why. It's like we have a disagreement, and if we disagree, you have to destroy that person and, and cancel them and never talk to them again. Like, it doesn't make any sense. And all it leads to is separation, pain, and frustration. Thankfully, that is not the path that Jesus chose with us all. He entered into the difficulty, the difficult relationship. He endured in the ultimate way, and we all benefit from his sacrifice through faith. Now, can it be a scary thought to endure with someone who's wronged you? Of course, absolutely it can be scary. But this might be why Paul reminds us to wrap up all we do in love because love drives out fear. And, and Peter says this in 1 Peter. He says, cast all your cares and anxiety on Jesus because he cares for us. He will bring peace to each of us. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. So yes, the process of forgiveness can be a hard thing to accomplish. But if we seek the right blueprint, as we move from our old life to our new life in Christ, we can take our, all of our burdens to the cross. There's freedom in forgiveness and joy in reconciliation. And I say this again, it's so true. There's freedom in forgiveness, and there is joy in reconciliation. Which brings me to my second point, which is this, is we have to choose forgiveness. For as wonderful as forgiveness is, it's also true that resentment, bitterness, and unforgiveness are horrible ways to live. In Matthew 6, 14 through 15, Jesus makes it clear that unforgiveness isn't just a horrible way to live. It's a death sentence, he says. Listen to these words of Jesus. I'm going to read them slowly. Jesus says this. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Listen to that. See, if we choose to not forgive and to carry that burden and hold that grudge, then Jesus says we're in jeopardy of not being forgiven by God. It is a death sentence to hold on to a grudge, to hold on to unforgiveness. It will slowly kill you and eat away at your very soul. I have seen it over and over and over again in my ministry. There's a great parable about this. Um, I, I need to set the stage because we're not going to read all of it. It's, it's really long. 
Jesus goes to uh, Simon's house in the book of Luke and the Synoptic Gospels, and they sit down and they have a big party, and, and when Jesus gets there, he's not treated as an honored guest. They basically bring him in, they sit down, they don't give him a holy kiss on the cheek, which was a, a customary greeting. They don't wash his feet, which was customary. They show him no respect. And so they sit down to this dinner. Now, it was a little bit different than, uh, than America. It was outside in a courtyard was where they would eat. And as they're eating this dinner, they're having this party, a woman comes in. And she comes to Jesus' feet, and she starts weeping at his feet, and starts cleaning his feet with her hair, and starts anointing them with perfume. And then everyone's kind of grumbling and you know, muttering about this because she was a woman of the street. She was a prostitute. We pick up there, verse 40, chapter, Luke chapter 7, verse 40. So Jesus answers Simon, saying, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, say it, teacher. Jesus says, a certain moneylender had two debtors. One owned 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon answered, the one I suppose for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. It goes on. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, so he's looking at the woman, he said, do you see this woman? I entered your house, you gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, Jesus says, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much, but he who has forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at the table with him began to say amongst themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. In this parable, Jesus paints an illustration of forgiveness. And it's a story of borrowing and lending that I think many of us can relate to in our modern life. How many times has someone wronged you and the first thing that came to your mind is, I'm going to forgive them, I'm going to restore that relationship, but they owe me an apology first. I'm going to forgive them, but they have to pay back a payment of an apology first. Right? Hear it all the time. Or if they, if they do fill in the blank, I'm going to offer them forgiveness. Or, this is my favorite one, if they prove it over time, if they kind of show me over time that they're worthy of my forgiveness, I'm going to give them forgiveness. Much like the moneylender, we have the choice to forgive the debt or continue to live with it and hold it and keep strained relationships. And if we are going to hold the debt over those who've wronged us um, and not freely forgive them, we've missed the entire point of what Jesus is all about in our relationships with one another. Think for a moment of, of the sins each of us commit every single day. Remember, Jesus says he's our example. Think for a moment of the sins you commit every single day that Jesus has forgiven in Christ. Imagine if Jesus put parameters or barriers around how he forgives us or how he doesn't. Now, now think about how God forgives us. These are all things from Scripture. Scripture says God holds back his anger. He bears with us over and over and over again. He's slow to anger and he has steadfast love. 
Or how about God meets us right where we are in our sin and offers us mercy and forgiveness. We do nothing to earn it, nothing. It's all a free gift given to us through the sacrifice of Christ. God always makes the first move in forgiveness. God's the one who initiates forgiveness in our lives. Every time we sin, we can return to God. God continues to forgive us even though he knows we are going to continue in our sin and sometimes the same sin over and over and over again. God will continue to reach out for us for reconciliation, Scripture says, and there is no probation period with God. He's always ready to forgive. That is our example of forgiveness. And he says, model that to each other. Charles Spurgeon says this. I know I quote him all the time, but he's too good not to quote. (laughs) He says this. He says, suppose someone had grievously offended any one of you, and then he asked for forgiveness. Do you think that you would probably say to him, well, yes, I forgive, but I, I, I can't forget. This is a sort of forgiveness with one leg chopped off. It's a lame forgiveness, and it's not worth much. Strong words. But what I believe Charles Spurgeon is saying here is that if we begin to put parameters or a box or barriers on our forgiveness towards each other, we will continue to increase the gap in our relationships rather than building the bridge to true forgiveness. We must seek to be more like Christ, who's forgiven us so much, in every area of forgiveness, in every area of our relationship. You probably won't get it all figured out on the first try, but you've got to start somewhere. Leads me to the final point. Start building. Any good contractor starts with blueprints and good plans. I worked in construction and plumbing. Everything starts with blueprints and plans. The example of Jesus gives us the best blueprint for forgiveness in our relationships in the Bible. It's in the Bible. From Genesis to Revelation, we are shown over and over again that love, grace, and forgiveness are what wins the days in people's lives. Now, there's a story of the Joseph Strauss Art Suspension Bridge, which was built in 1937. You know it as the Golden Gate Bridge, right? Everyone knows the Golden Gate Bridge. But what I want you to picture is what it took to build it. 1937, before modern technology, right? This is just one blueprint from from one of the support beams. Look at the detail of that. What it took in to to build that, to plan that, to put it together, the time, the effort, to span the gap that the bridge spans. It took long hours, tough work, thousands and thousands and thousands of man hours, and most importantly, blueprints and plans that helped create the structure. At the time the bridge was built, it was a gargantuan project that some people thought wasn't even possible. As Christians, we're called to bind everything we do together with love, just like the workers of the Golden Gate Bridge came together. We too must come together and create a beautiful bridge that will close the chasm, the gap in our world today. Using the blueprints God has given us, it will be hard. It will require a lot of work from you. It may require other people to support you. That's what the church is all about. But there is satisfaction and peace when it's all done. We are encouraged by Paul to forgive each other, even if you think the other person doesn't deserve it. Forgiveness has nothing to do with whether you deserve it or have earned it or not. It is all about grace. Forgiveness is a core teaching of Jesus, and it's a core of his ministry in life. 
And it's a core of our calling as Christians as well. Theologian N.T. Wright puts it beautifully when he says, the other virtues pursued without love become distorted and unbalanced. Jesus doesn't require anything. He paid the price for the forgiveness of our sins. All he requires is faith. He doesn't require anything but faith alone. Jesus died on the cross to cleanse us from our sins. As Christians, this is our blueprint. This is our blueprint on how we are called to bridge the gap of forgiveness. It won't be easy, but as we continue to live our lives for Christ, we can look to him as our leader and guide. He has all the plans and has laid them out for you each and every day. We must learn to hold, bear with, and endure with one another as a church. It's just to start the process, and it goes from there. It won't be easy. There will be some long days and a lot required of you, but there is restoration in him who will provide peace like no other. Just imagine with me for a moment. Now, church, we do a good job at this, but just, rema- just imagine if we had the most unity of any church in the county. Imagine if people were more loved here than any church in the county, in the state. Imagine if this was a place of forgiveness and restoration and reconciliation and we lived in unity and harmony with one another. What that does is that builds a bridge into the community. People see that God is at work in this church and they want to be a part of what he's doing. We do a great job at that. I think we can do an even better job to seek unity and reconciliation in this body, to love one another, to bear one another's burdens, to lift one another up, to sustain one another. And I think when we do that better and better and better, people will see it. God is honored and glorified, and people will want what we have. This is what happened in the early church. And God is doing it here, and he's going to continue to do it. I'm thankful for you guys. You guys do a great job at this, but let's take it one step further. Let's continue to grow in unity and love and reconciliation with one another. So as we leave this morning, I'm going to challenge you with two things. Number one is this. Where are you getting your blueprints from for life, for living, for for community with one another and with your community at large? Where are you getting your blueprints? Whose plans are you reading? How can you make time this week and in the weeks to come to get into God's word, the plan of God, of how to live your life? It's January 1st. It is a brand new year. I want you to make a commitment to reading your Bible daily. You may miss a few days. Don't give up. But to get into God's word, to read the blueprints of how he calls you to live. It will make a difference in your life. I absolutely, positively believe that. Secondly, Who do you need to extend forgiveness to this week? Especially in this congregation. Are there people in this congregation that you are harboring bitterness towards? That you are harboring a hurt towards? Have you you hurt someone and you've not sought forgiveness? Are you frustrated with someone and you haven't tried to mend that relationship? Do you have people in this congregation that you need to build a bridge to this morning? My advice to you is start building. Don't wait. Build this morning. Build now. Don't wait for reconciliation. Do it now through the power of Christ and the love he has shared with you. I want to close with just a reading from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. Paul uh, writes this. He says this, and and this is my, my thoughts towards you as well. I do not cease to give thanks for you, church, remembering you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you 
the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and knowledge in him. My prayer for you is that God gives you wisdom, courage, and revelation about what we discussed this morning. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, I thank you for this church. God, this body of believers. As I said, God, they are beloved, chosen, holy, because of what you've done, Jesus. God, may we step into that calling and that reality. God, may this church be the most forgiving, loving place in Iowa. May people see the unity and the harmony of our relationships with one another, and they absolutely know without a shadow of a doubt that God is at work. Give us a supernatural unity. God, a supernatural love for one another. God, may we bear with one another, suffer alongside one another, bear one another's burdens, lift one another up, and be quick to forgive and build a bridge when our relationships are strained. God, may that be our goal for 2023, to be that church, to continue to to grow in that way as we already have. God, I'm thankful for each and every person sitting here this morning and those that aren't, that weren't able to be here. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.